What if everything came with a free Star Wars audiobook from Audible, like at the Cantina? I'll take a half calf spotchka, light wit. Here's your free audiobook download for Master and Apprentice from Audible. Or getting your pod racer serviced. My pod racer needs upgrades to the coupling and stabilizer. And here's your free audiobook download for Resistance Reborn from Audible. Life in the galaxy doesn't work that way, but there is one place you can go where you can get a free Star Wars audiobook from Audible, and that's utini.com slash audible. Click the Audible logo and start your 30-day free trial, which includes a free audiobook download. So visit utini.com slash audible and get your free Star Wars audiobook download today. Hi, I'm E.K. Johnston, author of Star Wars Ahsoka, Queen's Shadow, and Queen's Carol, and you're listening to the Living Force Podcast. Welcome to the Living Force Podcast. I am Queen Amidala. A Utini production. We are brave, Your Highness. Episode number 64, Queen's Peril Roundtable, Part 2. Padme, clean this drawer up as best you can. On this episode, a Utini donation report. What if the democracy we thought we were serving no longer exists? Plus a cargo hold full of the Mandalorian book news. Thank you, Ambassador. But my place is with my people. And the Utini team continues their discussion on the Star Wars novel Queen's Peril by E.K. Johnston. You Jedi are far too reckless. And now, here are your hosts. Dr. Corey Helton, Eric Eilerson, Dr. Charles Hankel, and Wes Jenkins. Utini! Welcome into the Living Force, everyone! I am your host, Eric Eilerson, and joining me tonight on this lovely Monday evening are the doctors themselves. We have Dr. Corey Helton. Hello. Hello, hello, hello. What's happening? Oh, not much. The same thing we do every week, Corey. Uh, we also have Dr. Charles Henkel. Hello there, guys. Super excited to talk about neurotransmitter affection and their intergalactic rival boy band, Jocasta New Kids on the Block. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, with us, with a surprise look at Coda there for all our friends watching in the chat live. Yeah, it's Coda's uh, birthday, guys. Wish him a happy birthday. Coda? He is. Oh, happy birthday. He's two. He's two. Birthday boy. Terrible twos. Well, happy birthday, Coda, you little buddy. <laughs> we love you so much. And someone else that loves Coda even more than you, I might say, is Wes Jenkins, our man in the chair. What's up, man? What's up? I finished the book, everyone. Can you freaking <laughs> believe yeah! it? Yeah! Talk about it. <laughs> I legitimately am surprised. <laughs> I'm not gonna. I'm not. I hammered it yesterday. Oh, good job. Well, if if uh, if you listeners were 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 nice enough to listen to our first episode of Lightspeed Skipping this morning, our uh, our new Patreon show, you heard Wes lamenting the 150 pages he had left of Queen's Peril, but you nailed it. Well done, man. Thanks. Uh, but everyone else, if this is your first time joining us tonight, welcome. You've just found one of the most inclusive and positive fan communities in the history of the galaxy. If you're new to reading Star Wars, you got to check out utini.com for reviews, reading guides, and everything you need to dive into and explore the Star Wars Expanded Universe. We have a vibrant online community, which you can join by heading over to utini.com slash discord, and a Patreon jam-packed with hours of extra content at patreon.com slash utini. We host this very live show on Twitch every Monday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time, and the audio podcast version is released on Thursdays for patrons and Fridays for iTunes. Thank you to everyone in the chat right now for joining us. Let us dive in. Hi, guys. I missed you this week. How you been? 
Are you talking to us? Yeah. You're the guys. <laughs> They're the talking guys. talking to somebody else. I'll talk to you right now, Corey. Talking to the chat. Corey, oh, hey, hey, Charles West, shut up. Corey, how are you, man? <laughs> you I'm been? good, baby. I'm so glad you oh, asked. Oh, I'm so glad. Oh, oh man. It's been, a, it's been a pretty good week. I'm, I'm done with uh, obstetrics for a while, so no more babies to deliver. Charles, yes. I'm sure you'll appreciate that. Are you still doing OB, Charles? Nah, man. I'm, I'm in Peds land now, so I just have to worry oh, about the, the babies later. Nice. Pizza. I'm doing an elective rotation right now, so I've been hanging out with uh, um, one of my buddies down in Greenville, Tennessee, that I'm hoping is uh, going to give me a job after all this. So <laughs> I'm going to talk to the recruiters and stuff. So it's been uh, it's been fun. It's been fun just hanging out, doing some outpatient. It's been good. What about you guys? Uh, I've I've been okay. Uh, I you know what? I actually almost deleted the entire Google Drive of Utini, but then I decided not to. <laughs> Charles, how was your week? <laughs> I plead the fifth. Um, <laughs> all right, guys. Here's here's the here's the quick here's the quick story. Uh, I deleted literally everything on our shared Google Drive. The company Utini did not exist for about uh, three hours or so, and then Corey got yeah. it all back. But that's why I'm here, and that's why. He He's here. We keep it interesting. <laughs> that was a great day. I, I I did enjoy that that moment of I'd say sheer terror, maybe panic. Um, but yeah. Other than that, we had some really cool things happen this week. Um, number one, I'm most proud of is something that we talked about all during last month. Uh, we said that every single bit of money we made from book sales because we have a bunch of affiliates on utini.com that people can buy books through would be donated to black lives matter Corey, can you tell everyone how much we were able to donate this week finally what was our number oh we raised a whopping one hundred and sixty thousand. i'm just kidding <laughs> <laughs> we bought every book. i wish I wish that we could raise that kind of money. No, we uh, we don't make a ton of money on on Amazon affiliate sales, and we we've been honest with you guys about that from the front. But we do get a four percent. So you know, all, all things considered, the fact that we we get four percent, like, and that adds up to like you know one hundred fifty two hundred dollars every single month is is pretty rad. It's a lot of books that we sell. So we donated everything we made last month, which is which was one hundred sixty bucks to Black Lives Matter, which was you know it's something. Um, just to say we can we can to be able to contribute was is kind of an honor so yeah um yeah it's something for sure yeah um and everyone uh that bought a book through teeny and helped us out last month thank you so much uh but it keeps on going so uh you don't just have to buy star wars books uh donations are going every single day so if you can help uh definitely head over to those places and do so in star wars land we got some cool announcements this week guys some things we definitely did not expect uh you know how we've been saying guys the Mandalorian was great, but I can't fathom why we haven't gotten any books. <laughs> well, guess what, y'all? We're getting them. The StarWars.com announced the Mandalorian book line is coming. Y'all, so much stuff is coming. I believe this fall they announced, brace yourselves, The Art of the Mandalorian Season 1 by Phil Sostak, uh, covered by Dove Chang himself. The Mandalorian original adult novel from Del Rey uh, by Adam Christopher. Probably our most excited book, guys, would you say? Out of this whole shebang? Yes, yes definitely. For sure. Cannot wait. Uh, we're getting an ultimate visual guide of The Mandalorian uh, from Pablo Hidalgo. We got The Mandalorian Allies and Enemies, which is a level two uh, young readers book. We got The Mandalorian 8x8 Storybook by Brooke Vitale. And The Mandalorian Junior Novelization by Joe Schreiber. Interesting. Um, 
Yeah, if that name sounds familiar, y'all, Joe Schreiber wrote Death Troopers and Red Harvest. Oh, wow. Did he really? <laughs> and he's doing I didn't a... even realize that. I don't know how I missed that. Yeah, man. Now he's doing the junior novelization. Well, nothing speaks That's to kids cool. like zombie apocalypses, so it's a pretty natural <laughs> you know, transition. You're, you, they do love that, that Walking Dead, don't they? <laughs> That's right. Absolutely. Uh, but yeah, so uh, what did you guys think of this, this whole announcement? Like, Did you have any concept we were going to get any kind of Mandalorian book news? I, I really didn't. I mean, I thought they were just going to leave this totally alone. Like, I didn't think that, that Mandalorian was even like an option to do books and comics on, like at all. Yeah, I'm, I'm so excited. Uh, I couldn't be more happy about this. Again, this is all coming this fall. We will keep you posted. But on Uchini.com, there's already pre-order links because God... Dang it! Is our staff on the on the ball? Um, within like an hour of this announcement, we had pre-order links up. So, uh, massive shout out to them for that. Um, and then we have a bunch of podcast website and Patreon updates. I'm going to get through quickly because I don't think I've said it yet, y'all. This is part two of our Queen's Peril roundtable. Uh, we're going to be talking all things Padme here in just a little bit. So Charles is going to be leading us in a second. But really fast, everyone. We said it last week. We're going to say it again this week. We would love a few more iTunes reviews. Uh, our last reviews are about six months old now or so, uh, and it helps the show remain looking good and relevant. So if you've been liking our latest content and you haven't just thrown a review our way, we'd love that. Five stars or, you know, don't leave a review, I guess. Those are the options. <laughs> <laughs> uh, if you're a long-time listener and you've been supporting us, we love you. We thank you so much. Uh, but anywhere you get your podcast, if you can put some stars up, that would be great. Um, guys... Next week, I wanted to announce to our friends here on Monday night, we have a special guest coming for our first ever live show guest, and it's a pretty cool one. Uh, I don't know if y'all have heard of this person. They have a decently successful YouTube channel. They like Starships a lot. (laughs) We will be welcoming Star Wars Explained himself, Alex Damon, onto the show next Monday. Very excited. Yeah, it's going to be awesome. Very excited about that. Um, That is fantastic. Yeah. yeah, I'm excited about that too. Alex is uh, he's a really cool guy. I mean, they've they've won all kinds of competitions. Uh, he obviously his YouTube channel is incredibly successful. We worked with him actually a long, long time ago, back when we were still selling books uh, like book boxes and stuff. And he did a little bit of advertising for us on his YouTube channel, which is pretty cool of him to do. Um, do that totally for free. So him and Molly are both really cool, really fun, really kind and welcoming members of the community. And like, I'm super excited to have him on the show. So um, maybe we can win win him over into like becoming part of the Utini fan. We'll there, see. yeah. Well, well, you know what? The thing is, Corey. Within three minutes, we got to hire him to do something, right? That's that's that's, 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 that's the way. <laughs> <laughs> that's pretty much how we do it, right? That's pretty much how we do it. Absolutely. Well, well, come on Monday night, next Monday, seven p.m. Uh, he'll be coming on to talk all things uh, Shadowfall. Uh, he's a huge fan of Alexander Freed. If you haven't checked out his review of Shadowfall on the channel, you got to check that out. And Starships, maybe a little Lego love as well. Next review, Corey, I bolded your name here in the outline because we, we teased this review reveal last week, but now let's, let's show it to the people, shall we? Yes, absolutely. So, guys, we have a bit of an announcement uh, this week. Um, I know that you guys have been anxious to see what the Utini merch line is going to look like, and we have done incredible work. And by we, I mean exclusively Jose. Uh, a lot of you guys... Absolutely. <laughs> a lot of you guys know Jose by Joxy in our Discord, and he has done an absolutely incredible job designing some in- 
really, really professional merch for us. I mean, we're, we're really trying to move away from kind of like Star Wars designs and move into like a, you know, we want Utini, our brand, to be more of a lifestyle brand. Like we, we believe in positivity in the community. We believe in reading Star Wars books. We believe in uh, inclusivity and just everybody getting together to love this thing that we love so much. Um, and, and Jose has really just completely epitomized that in his design so um west throw that over let's do a reveal this is the oh, this is the merch dude. on our site go to utini.com slash merch you can find all this stuff that's utini.com slash merch m-e-r-c-h and i want to show you guys just some of the designs um you know the web designer is an absolute genius too and he did a really incredible job with all this and it looks looks beautiful it definitely wasn't me um <laughs> yeah so a couple a couple lines of products versus signature uh, these are going to be sort of uh um, maybe sort of exclusive utini designs and uh like that have a little more of an artsy a little more professional sort of style you can kind of see this one is a is a bit of an ahsoka design we have our logo designs which we're going to continually add to um t-shirts hoodies tanks this really sweet um band shirt looking i don't know what you would call this with this hippie looking guy he's he looks really cool look how cool that guy looks Uh, and also i I gotta say because i also have a tattoo on the inside of my right forearm that's the that's the shirt i got yeah that's uh yeah this is one of my favorite designs um and and by the way like when we when we discover designs like i'll find something on instagram or or something that inspires me be like hey jose what do you think about this and literally like three hours later he'll send me a new design it's 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 astonishing incredible it's really astonishing how much it is we have stickers we have mugs we have bags all kinds of cool stuff eu and saga this entire line of products is going to be loose tie-ins to the books and films and those types of things um obviously we're 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 pretty pretty like limited uh you know in, in what we can and can't design um basically because uh you know trademarks and copyrights those sorts of things we can't legally print anything that's obviously star wars right so if it can be confused with star wars you really can't do it so we will probably be pushing the limits a little bit with this entire line which we have done obviously um, we release a new shirt, a new design with every single book that comes out. Neurotransmitter Affection is what we did for uh, Queen's Peril. This is obviously the band that was in uh, that, that uh, Padme and her compadre snuck out to sea. So we made it look like a band shirt. So that looks pretty cool. And then this one is uh, this one's already been out. It's been out for a little bit. We actually released this one a couple weeks ago. The Squadron Up Tee. This one was for uh, Alphabet Squadron, the Shadowfall book. Uh, the community line of products is all about the positivity in our community. We have a bunch of really cool shirts uh, inspired by various Jedi Knights for Expand Your Universe, uh, Utini's tagline. Um, the Reed shirt, one of my favorites, which Charles is sporting. I mean, uh, Wes, you want to show off uh, Charles sporting the Reed shirt? Yep, yeah. looking super oh, fly. Oh, yeah. super fly. I love this. <laughs> yes. love this shirt. Super yes. comfy, too. It's- yeah, it looks really, really good. Uh, we have the Saga shirt, the Childlike Wonders 1977 shirt, and then lastly, <laughs> uh, one of the most exciting, I think, lines yes! in all of our products is the podcast line, right? So if you're if you're a if you're a quote unquote friend of the show, right, head over to utine.com/slash/merch and you can pick up some cool stuff tied directly to the podcast. Obviously, we have Morden, which is Eric's Eric's uh, corgi, and it says uh, "Porgs have got nothing on me." Uh, super smooth shirt, Eric. Your shirt. I'm so proud. I've never been more proud. That shirt is on its way to me right now. I can't wait. Yes, absolutely. And then another shirt, maybe one of my favorite designs, actually on the entire site, is the Legends Look Back shirt. It was so artfully done, inspired by Thrawn. So, um, Jose, you've done an absolutely incredible job of designing all this stuff. I can't wait to see what else you have up your up your sleeves. I know I've already seen a lot of the stuff that's already in progress. So, um, I'm like blown away that that. 
you have so much talent. Like, thank you so much for all the hard work you do, Jose. You're an absolutely crucial member of this team. And, uh, man, go buy some awesome merch from utina.com slash merch. Absolutely. And, uh, Corey, tell me if I'm wrong uh, or try to remember if I can't. There is a – isn't there a discount for a little Ooh, while longer? There is a discount. Uh, Jose, maybe you can help me out with this in the chat. I cannot remember what the chat is. If, if I see it, I'll, I'll throw it out. Do you know to, what it is, we, Eric? We, uh, I know it's, there's 15% off. I'm vamping I because he has, to, he has to catch up with the video, and then he puts That's it in right. the chat. All right. So if you use Squad15 – that's S Q U A D one five. Then you get fifteen percent off uh, your merch. Now this ends tomorrow, so these are only for y'all that are watching live Monday night. This code is good through tomorrow, Wednesday or Tuesday. It's been a long day, y'all. Through Tuesday, uh, you can get fifteen percent off. So if you're all hanging out, we would love that. Yes. Now for you, uh, you listeners of the podcast, when this does come out in, uh, by the end of this week, we will continue running a discount. We're going to do 10% off for all of the um, podcast listeners. So that will be Squad 10. So we'll yeah. do 10% off for uh, all the podcast listeners. I hate you missed the live show, but we like to reward our live folks with something a little extra. So um, even though the live show ends, the one Squad 15 will end tomorrow, we'll do Squad 10. Um, through, I say the end of next week, something like that, probably. Um, so head over, get some merch, represent. We're excited. Absolutely. Uh, and when you get all your merch, you can go on to Twitter and Instagram, hashtag UtiniFam. Uh, and remember, follow us at Utini underscore US. We are going to be posting all kinds of discount codes and all kinds of things about future content up there as well. All right, last couple things before we get back into Queen's Peril. Uh, we have two big foundational guides I want to make you guys aware of. Uh, our best Star Wars books of all time and our best canon novels of all time articles have officially been published over on utini.com. Uh, if you head over to utini on the homepage, if you scooch on down that page, you're going to find a little thing that says top lists. And in there, you're going to see our links to our best books of all time, our best canon books of all time. These are, gosh, we've been working on these articles and guides for months and months they have extensively been researched there's links to book profiles there's order links there's reasons why we love these books and things like that so if you want to find your next read or you want a great resource to help out a friend of yours we have those up for you additionally today i think literally an hour ago we published our latest book reading guide collection for sabine wren um i know juliana who's in the chat right now uh is a giant sabine fan as well as a lot of other folks on our team so if you want more Sabine in your life, there is an official collection for her on our reading guides list. And last announcement before we get to our Patreon stuff, Corey, July 15th is going to be a giant freaking day for you, Teeny. Can you tell me why? Oh, man, our YouTube channel is finally going live July 15th. We have Woo! so much incredible content coming down the coming down the line. I can't wait to share that stuff with you guys. Um, some of our first videos are going to be pretty straightforward content that you guys are already familiar with. We're going to talk about canon versus legends. I think we're going to dive into the comics a little bit as well. Um, it's it's very going to be much very much like teaching sort of content that's very similar to the new utini.com website. But depending on our success there, we could certainly expand to more exciting and interesting topics. So book reviews, guides, all kinds of cool stuff that you guys are already used to hearing from us. You will see that stuff over on our YouTube channel. And that is, uh, I don't think we have the custom URL yet, so you probably just have to search for Utini on, uh, on YouTube. Yep. So but we'll have that coming to you. Uh, when we get a URL, you'll be the first one to know. Uh, and just so you guys know, this, this channel is new talent. This is not going to be me, Corey, Charles, West. These are 
brand new video people that some of you may have seen in Discord around, um, but they are brand new faces that have done astonishingly good work behind the scenes, and we cannot wait to introduce you to them in the middle of this month. All right, last few things. Patreon! We have uh, released this morning a, a new podcast show called Lightspeed Skipping. Um, <laughs> this was one of the silliest things you've ever created at Utini. Um, this show was something that uh, me, Corey, Wes, and Jared uh, from Legends Look Back, who's also in the chat right now, we got together and we picked a random book and we read a random page out of it and hijinks ensued. Um, so I don't want to spoil too much about the conversation, but it's very loose, very shot from the hip. Um, and it's for our $5 patrons and above to make up for Bounty Hunt being gone for a while. Uh, and I, I think you should go check it out. It's some of the most surprising fun I had in a, a long time. So definitely go check out Lightspeed Skipping. Uh, Legends Look Back, though, speaking of Jared, dude, I love you. I'm talking about you all the time this episode. Uh, released a That's No Moon Death Star focused episode <clears throat> last week. It's in your Patreon feed. And of course, every single Wednesday, Charlie and I are still talking about Star Wars Rebels on The Ghost Crew. We're making our way through season one right now. We're talking all about Harrison, Dula, Lothcats, and fascism. Uh, so definitely go check out that show whenever you can. Now, if you are looking to buy any of the books we've been talking about and you want to help support this show, look up your book on utini.com, click any affiliate link on the profile, and we'll get a couple bucks to help keep the lights on, help get actual lighting for more video content, and all other sorts of things. As a reminder, the books you can order right now include Star Wars Dark Legends by George Mann, released on July 28th, Poe Dammer and Freefall from Alex Segura coming on August 4th, The Clone Wars Stories of Light and Dark from a bunch of authors coming August 25th, and Thrawn Ascendancy Chaos Rising by Timothy Zahn on September 1st. Alright y'all, you know how this goes. We're skipping book reviews because it's a roundtable episode and I've already taken up way too much of Charles's precious time. Charles, are you ready to ask us more piercing questions? About Padme Nabari. How could I say no to an intro like that? <laughs> yeah. All yours, buddy. Let's do it, y'all. Let's jump in. If you guys remember from last week, we kind of ended on overarching questions. So that's where we're going to start off. So kind of my first question to get us warmed up here is, now that you've all finished the book, how did it compare to Queen's Shadow for you? What did it do better? What did it do worse? Are you happy we got this story? Where do you want to go from here? All of it. Well, Charles, here's the thing about this book. We're missing one very important thing. Bail Organa's not in this book, Charles. Um, <laughs> and I just want to say that. I want to get that out of the way so then we can leave it here. Um, so by that virtue, Queen Shadow is, 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 is a notch above. Uh, but other than that, I, I think it's hard to compare them, frankly. Because I think that Queen's Peril is a much more kind of intimate um, look at friendship and growth, personally. Whereas I think Queen's Shadow is a little more political. So I, I, I have trouble comparing them in that way, despite the fact that they're obviously a, a book and a prequel. Okay, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, <clears throat> I think I think I, I wouldn't necessarily fairly compare them either. I mean, I think, uh, I don't know if one's really worse than the other or better than the other. I thought they both have their purpose they do feel like a continuation of the same story in a lot of ways and uh yeah i mean i liked them both for sure I, I don't think i would i would say anyone is worse than the other okay fair enough yeah i mean i thought they were it was it was weird they were like very 
different books to me, even though, you know, this was obviously a prequel to Queen's Shadow, and yet each served their purpose really well. So let's get into a little bit more of what that was and talk about some Naboo politics, y'all, because we've... Oh my gosh, yes, please. Yeah, I mean, we've gotten a lot of details from over the years from when the prequels first came out, but we were left to kind of conjecture about a lot of it. But we get some information in this book that we never knew before. Uh, So, for instance, candidates are nominated and they run for office under a fake name. So it's not just that, that Padme becomes Queen Amidala, it's Queen Amidala is the only thing that that the Naboo population knew her as. She ran under that name, ran under that persona. No one knows that she's Padme. Yeah, that is a very interesting like touch on all of this, which I found kind of odd. Like, like what happens when, <laughs> like, if you lose, right? Like, no one knows you, just, you lost. Does <laughs> no one know who you There's are? But no like, what about egg all your, on your friends? <laughs> <laughs> but all your friends and family obviously know that like you're you know running for do office they, right so like I, I i think so don't it they? Would, it's implied that they- that's kind of my question too is like i mean don't your friends notice that you're just missing all the time and suddenly on a bunch of business trips like <laughs> hey are you running what? for queen? I, well i think that's one of my favorite fantasy tropes in, in either fantasy or sci-fi the like the, the the alter ego is always based on the fact that no one in your actual life can really give too much of a shit about you. Like, you have to be able to be able to disappear. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, y- there has to be some believability that they wouldn't notice you're not at social events. Or, here's another question, guys. Is there a possibility that the Naboo culture respects the process so much that they're all basically willing to turn a blind eye. They're like, okay, that's we, what, we all know Padme Naberi is Padme is, is, is Queen Amidala, but we will pretend not to because we respect the office. <clears throat> well, I'm not sure I would go that, that far to say everybody's in on it. Sure. Right? Sure. I mean, it's a, it's not, a not planet wide. <laughs> it's a planet, which is a whole other thing in star Wars actually, by the way, it's just like, like everything is in the context of planets. Like, think about that for yeah. a second. Organizing that. Earth. Oh my god! Can you imagine? <laughs> if Earth, Earth, Earth had a queen, like that, like that's just it's yeah. kind of outrageous to think about. In a we lot got of ways. four guys on a Zoom call, and that takes like a week of planning. <laughs> I know. Much less. I know. Like a galactic exactly. election. Yes, exactly. And like, I, whenever we think about planets, we actually only think about cities in Star Wars. Which True. Is very yeah. interesting. So. I don't know. I don't think that necessarily everybody's in on it. They know that she's Padme, but I think that's certainly the case for like her friends and family, yeah. which is what yeah. I think it actually talks specifically about that. I think like, her parents were like yeah. having a party during the announcement of the election, uh, like the results. Yes. But right, and they they were they weren't like openly talking about yay, congratulations to our daughter for becoming queen. Right. But like everybody knew, right? yeah, and they were just didn't talk about it, which is so interesting. I mean, can you imagine like the the social experience of just like being at the party and like not being allowed to talk about what the t- what the party is for <laughs> it's like crazy yeah it is a fascinating way to look at it that i hadn't really thought of before this book but i but i do like how you know it it is essentially as we're talking about it a little bit of an impossible thing to write around like lucas when he wrote it this is essentially the the rules that were given like padme and amadala have to conceivably be the same person yet also different yet she also has to be like 14 yeah, but so I mean, her parents can't just not know where she is, but they're also so. I think it's a hard way to write, a hard thing to write out of, and I think E. K. Johnson did the best she could. It is, but and it you know it's not just about like serving under a, an alter ego or an identity 
so that the queen can't use it for personal gain. It's not just that. It's, it also serves to protect the queen because let's be honest, right. the trade federation could have just rolled into Naboo and like taken Padme's parents and her sister, you know, hostage and potentially been more effective in what they did. But the fact that no one knows who the queen actually is, you know, keeps that from happening. It actually is a, a protective thing. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Great totally. point. So, Anyways, beyond that, we we learned that uh, Panaka is basically the royal guard who was assigned to Amidala as a candidate. So apparently the different candidates for Queen all have some kind of royal security member assigned to them. And it was just pure chance that Panaka and Padme ended up together. And we've already talked about last week how that pair like had to work perfectly for the trade federation be thrown off of Naboo. So this was, this was all pure chance. It could have been anyone else. Yeah. And, and I, and I, and I do love that. Cause that makes sense. You know, when you're, um, you know, when you're campaigning, right. When, when politicians campaign, they, they hire their potential chiefs of staff. They hire the, like they, they hire essentially a proto cabinet, right. Mm-hmm. To, to essentially run with them for the most part. Uh, I get most of that from West wing. I'll admit, but, um, <laughs> But I, but I think it makes sense, and in the, in the fact that Panaka and her work well together is definitely fortunate. And I wonder, you know, had it not been Padme or had it been someone else, then what's that story like? You know, what yeah. what is that? So the security chief of the queen is probably an interesting job no matter who you are, but Panaka just happened to have a virtue of being a little more interesting than most, I would assume. Yeah, and wasn't it also implied that Panaka was around, like, before Padme, like, became queen it and was. stuff? It was, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. so... How's that? How's that work then? Like, does everybody just get like, I don't, I don't really know. Does everybody get like Secret Service <laughs> to follow them around? Does Does Biden get Secret Service too? Is that how that works? Yeah, like, that actually is how it works in real life. Yeah, okay, so <laughs> yeah. there you go. Then that's that's what it is. So yeah. it's like you know, Panaka's on the Secret Service. Yeah, and he's probably like you know when uh, <laughs> when when at the beginning of the book when he comes in and says you know the election is over, your work has begun, which is a great quote. He's probably also like. Hell yeah, I got job security. <laughs> yeah, his job is security. Exactly. Well, he talks hey. about that, right? Like he talks about like not being allowed to like truly root for a candidate, but also he was obviously rooting for a candidate. Yeah, right? yeah so. totally. That's a great point. Yeah. Well, so even though we learned a lot about these kind of traditional Naboo politics, Padme still did a lot of things her own way. And so let's talk a little bit about what Padme and the Handmaidens specifically did to to lead to their success in this book and throughout all of Amidala's reign. So number one, I want to talk about the creation of the queen's voice. So oh, it, yeah. we learn in this book, you know, back in, back in whatever, 1998, seven, whatever year it was, when I was five and like watching The Phantom Menace, it didn't occur to me that Padme's voice was super weird, but it definitely is. <laughs> and it was like, why? Yeah. You know, in retrospect, there's so many questions you could have about the prequels now that you probably didn't have as a kid, but like, why does she talk like that? Well, E.K. Johnson tried to explain it to us in this book where really it was like an amalgamation of all of the Handmaiden's voices so anyone could potentially reenact it. Um, and mm-hmm. even the, the weird kind of accent had, you know, it had something to do with Rabe. So what did you guys think about getting that explanation? I still have mixed feelings about the whole Padme voice. <laughs> do it. Do it. Uh, yeah. Like, I don't know. I went back. I'm sure you guys did too. You guys have gone back and watched Phantom Menace again since reading this, right? Yes. Yeah. Yep. Okay. So I have now. Does it bother you? Does Padme's voice bother you in the movie? 
Me personally, it doesn't. But this this might also be like my my actor brain coming through because now that we had this response that it's all like a performance to unite them. I'm like, oh yeah, like I've done that dumb. I've done that stuff in college. Like that that's totally the actor brain being yeah. like, what a cool idea to be able to modulate and do all those kind of things. So I, I, it never really bothered me in the first place because mm-hmm. um, I think Charles, similarly to you, like it's what it was. I was eight. Who cares? Um, and I never thought about it past that. But now since this book brought it up, I kind of actually look for it and actually like it more now. I really, yeah, yeah. You know, this is like a like a delicate line to walk too. But like to me, it, and I want to preface this by saying this is one of those points. And the point I'm about to make is one of those points that like like everybody has a different opinion on, and that's yeah. what it is. It's an opinion, right? It doesn't. Yeah. It's not like no one's more right than anybody <laughs> else. But to me, it felt like a retcon. Remember, remember we had that whole conversation mm-hmm. about fans about fan service, yep. right? How fan service is either you totally nails it or you totally miss it, and that's how fan service is, and that's why it's so divisive. Yeah, it's like retcons are very similar, right? When we go back and explain something else, now that's the whole point of the expanded universe is to explain stuff like that. So, like, I don't think that retconning is bad but to me this one kind of missed the mark a little bit yeah and i think that's mostly just because i'm not a big fan of the voice in general but i think it totally makes sense from a storytelling perspective and i like that they spent so much time that johnson i say they that johnson spent so much time addressing it like as a writer in the book Mm -hmm. like the, the way that they all dived into and they had a voice kind of picked out but then they changed it because one of them couldn't do it that was really good and i actually yeah. really enjoyed that yeah, and I think that's a great point there, Corey, about about the the idea of retconning because we can pretend that when George Lucas first picked up a pencil in 1977, he knew everything that was going to be in Queen's Peril. Like, that's right. Like, sure, <laughs> that's right. but if that's we right. actually you know use our minds about it, obviously all this stuff is being created. So, right, you can pick and Years. choose what you like. like we're over. We're like yeah. almost. We're almost two decades out from Phantom Menace, right? And now exactly. We're something which is incredible. Yeah, and so for some people, like, will we'll really like the voice retcon here, um, but other people won't love that, but they'll love the Galen Erso building yeah. the, the, the Death Star incorrectly. Right. You know, like right, that. Right, right. So, so you can pick and choose what you like, <laughs> and all the Expanded Universe is, is doing is building out on that. So yeah, that's a great totally. point. I love that. No, I, yeah, and I will say that, like, while I don't necessarily enjoy Padme's original voice, I really do love the explanation. And I think that this is how we we make the movies more enjoyable. This is how I got yes. my wife into Star Wars, right? This is how I got mm-hmm. her into watching this with me because we, we'd be watching watching one of the films and uh, I could point out, be like, this this character, like you see that guy in the background? That's Dengar, right? He's a bounty hunter. And in the books, he like dragged Boba Fett out of the Sarlacc pit. And that's how he survived like after Return of the Jedi. And those kind of details are what makes the movies fun. And that's I think that's really what, what sort of, I know we never talk, we don't gatekeep at all, but I think that's like, that's what takes you from being like really into the Star Wars films to like really being a true, like a really true Star Wars fan is like you care about these extra behind the scenes details yeah. and stuff. So uh, I think it's, I've never been a huge fan of the Phantom Menace. We all did our book review or our book list like recently at Utini and like it's very close to the bottom for me. And these type of details is how you make me fall in love with the Phantom yeah. Menace. Oh, and I want to, I want to jump on that for a second and then we'll, we'll let Charles actually keep going more than two questions. Uh, but, but I really love that you said that about you and Caitlin, Corey, because Charlie's the same way when we were watching for the first time. Like we're watching New Hope. I'm like, that's a great dragon. Like that's and that and then yes. Kenobi and like that was what got her into it as well because it's like right. oh there's a whole there's a movie going on yeah. behind the movie and that's what's yeah. so much fun about this so yeah you're totally right I think next time you're watching Phantom Menace everyone with someone that you love 
and you've read Queen's Peril, and Padme starts talking, you'd be like, oh, she's using the voice because see behind her, that's Rabe, and she has this accent, and I know, and like, so you can kind of start to do that, which is a lot of fun. Only if your partner's like into that, though. If they get really pissed off when you talk during movies and don't do yeah, that. Yeah, I mean, I. <laughs> well, fine, if you want to be a quitter. I can relate. <laughs> I can relate to that, too. Nicole's sitting here, um, you know, just off camera, too. And whenever I'm watching The Phantom Menace and Padme starts talking, she's like, that's a terrible voice. And I'm like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it is. <laughs> I'm just kidding. There's a reason for it. <laughs> Um, all right, so you know, you guys ever you ever witnessed a murder like on a live stream before? Because <laughs> <laughs> so you know the the queen's voice is not the only thing we learned about in this book, and there was something really big in Queen's Shadow where we learned about the phrase "We are brave, Your Highness." Right? I mean, it took yeah. this one quote from the Phantom Menace, and it really just fleshed it out. And uh, we got that line again in this book, by the way, which was fun. But we also learned that there's a new code word from Queen's Peril. And it kind of further changes how we view a big moment in The Phantom Menace. On page 211, Sasha tells C.O. Bibble to tell Padme that the death toll is catastrophic. Because apparently the word toll is a code word that means everyone's alive. Keep doing your mission. Everything's good here. We're all fine here now. Thank you. How are you? How about you? <laughs> um, and this one, I will say, because we just had this conversation, this one was a little bit far for me. I love We Are Brave, Your Highness. The word toll being used to communicate that message in that moment was a little bit much for me. I thought so, too. I totally thought so, too. But I totally loved the, the moment. Like, yeah, the way they totally yeah. called out Obi-Wan right after he left. Just like, what is, I was talking about this last week. Like, what a loser. You think we're stupid? Like, that was hilarious. I love yeah. that. But, yeah, I'm I'm with you. Like, Toll is a bit of a stretch. But, I mean, given it was viable, I think. I thought it was viable. And, like, you know how many times that Johnson probably had to watch The Phantom Menace? Like, please say something I can use. <laughs> please say something I can use. Like, yeah. seriously. Yeah, yeah, I I agree. This was I am also I'm cool with this, but I think this is like this was my limit of like it's as far as I'll go. Yeah, and I think it's because again that's that is a good point, Corey. I hadn't thought about. She only has the printed material that is in the film, like to work with. So if you want to link it back, then you take a couple. And I like the 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 description. You know, toll is a word that I wouldn't say anytime else. Good point. Can't think of a single other time, frankly, that I would use that word. So. Oh, man, we're about to go through a toll booth. You got any quarters, <laughs> Padme? I mean, come on. Yeah, well, what do you, the Trade Federation can't get through this toll? <laughs> <laughs> wow, great time to come in, Cheryl, uh, on that. Sorry. <laughs> Cheryl just joined us. So, you know, we kind of just talked about this. We all love the prequels here. And this book, in, in a lot of ways, was all about showing the prequels love, specifically The Phantom Menace. Um, and it did a lot of that through character exploration. So, you know, we got a lot of stuff in this book about prequel characters that I personally was not expecting. We hinted towards this at the end of last week's episode. Um, you know, even a lot of the characters were outside of that, maybe who you consider like the main crew of the Phantom Menace. So what did you guys think about the prequel love of those characters? Was there a character moment that really jumped out to you? I have a whole list that we're going to go through, but we can bounce around depending on what y'all's was. Uh, spoiler alert, mine was Obi-Wan. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, the Obi-Wan love is great. Uh, I talked a little bit last week about how much I love E.K. Johnson's Palpatine writing. Mm-hmm. I think she writes him incredibly well. So I know we'll hit a few of those moments. But I also want to highlight the the little like one-sentence bits she gave to Anakin throughout. 
like you know and then somewhere in a sand planet a little boy saw an angel yeah it was like really sweet and then the uh, anakin skywalker really liked flying like they're 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 cute the little one-line throwaways but they they allow you to remember in a story that is decently dark at times and decently serious that there's still this childhood wonder that the nine-year-old anakin yes. skywalker has about the universe and i really love that I- wasn't it in kind of real time, like as yeah. the book was? Ha- yeah. So I thought it was a good way to like, you know, take one second to be like, this is where we at. This is where we're at in the film. Like, continue watching the film in the back of your mind. Mm-hmm. This is where we currently oh, yeah. are. That's how I interpret. Yeah, great, like, great point. Yeah, of like, like this is the moment where we're at, and yeah, I, I do kind of wish they were a little bit longer, like more than just a sentence, maybe. But yeah, I thought it served the purpose of of you know timeline yeah that's that's a really nice point actually i hadn't thought about that but let's talk through some of these characters i'd like i have a lot of quotes here we can kind of run through these moments and and see what y'all think and let's just go ahead and start with palpatine eric because uh i have some of his stuff handy right here so on page 15 we have the quote his face was bland politely interested in what was being said around him it was not an uncommon expression in the senate hallways but palpatine perfected it a long time ago soon enough he would step into the spotlight and his colleagues would see that blandness drop away but that would also be an act no one ever saw his true face the pure anger that burned him but they might someday Ooh. i mean that gave me chills when i read it <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, God, prequel Palpatine is so creepy because he's got that, like, that creepy <clears throat> uncle energy the whole time. Of, like, <laughs> oh, hi, my dear. I was so afraid that you little 14-year-old wouldn't be safe. Here, let's talk. Like, it, it's very – Oh, god, it, It's creepy, but also it is so polite and practiced and political. And, man, he's good at it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's I want so more good at it. prequels era Palpatine. Like, like I, I'm, I think they're – I think they're going to intentionally avoid like the Plagueis story, like because I think we, already, so. we already have Plagueis. So, like, I think that that book has a better chance of kind of, in a lot of ways, existing as a closely le- a closely canon legends book, right? Like, man, I saw I, you walking that tightrope just there. Oh my god! <laughs> I know. Like, it, 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 <laughs> don't say never, it. Don't say it. They're never ever going to declare books canon. Like, okay, there we go. We've said that a thousand <laughs> times on this show. They're never going to do it. But I think that I think that Plagueis is one of those books that, like, I really don't see them just straight up like overriding all that timeline maybe they will i don't know yeah. like like but i i just i kind of doubt they will i, I kind of doubt that they're going to leave like the legend of darth Plagueis kind of as the book itself so i don't know if we will ever get a lot of prequel era palpatine i would love to see it i don't know if we will ever get it i i want to i want to see the day where he learned the spinning trick i want to know what, what day of sith training was the spin get out. <laughs> actually if you scream at them Jedi Masters will just forget how to sword fight for three seconds, and you can just mow him down. I want to know what <laughs> yeah. day he learned that. <laughs> All right. Well, anyway. <laughs> moving forward. Um, I'm still sad about that scene. Um, I know. So, you know, Johnson also commonly would have, like, a Palpatine scene in this book, and then it would be followed by a Sidious scene. And it was a really nice way to kind of represent that dichotomy. It's always really interesting to see, I think, authors – who've done this before consciously refer to either Sidious or Palpatine um, depending on the scene and depending, you know, on exactly what they want to depict, almost like making us buy into that fact that everyone else doesn't know that they're the same person. 
Right. Yeah, man. That was dope. That was awesome. Yeah, I totally it, agree. It reminded me a lot about um, in Thrawn Alliances how you have the Vader and then Anakin scenes where it's like he thinks of himself differently of like where he talks about the Jedi and his past and he won't consciously think about the fact that it's the same man. Yeah, um, right. But this one I, I also did like because, I mean, when you think about it, Palpatine is such a perfectly crafted persona and Sidious is such a perfectly crafted persona that they can be separate. And I, I earnestly wonder if, if the way Palpatine thinks in his head shifts, you know, like how, sure how, how deep is he? Oh yeah, I'm sure it does. Like he's got to be like he's an he's an actor, Eric. I mean, you should. I mean, you know this. Like, oh yeah, he he like he he letters it and he just goes he goes too deep. Yeah, I think like, that's what happens. Yeah, exactly, one hundred percent. Ooh, I didn't like that. I don't like saying that. <laughs> I don't feel good about that. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's keep talking about Palpatine to feel not good about more stuff. So, yay! On page two nineteen, we learn about a statue that Palpatine has called Yanta Prime. I thought this was this was fascinating. Uh, and correct me if I'm wrong, I don't remember learning about this statue before, um, but it was basically made of obsidian, it absorbs all light, and he is pretty much thinking about, where am I going to put this once I'm Supreme Chancellor, which is pretty baller. Um, I, it's like playing The Sims in real life. I love that. <laughs> like, okay, in my also, new apartment. It's, also, <laughs> it's, it's totally a testament to how far ahead like Palpatine's always yeah. thinking. He's like, all right, so when I'm I'm Chancellor, right? It's all in the grand plan, right? Yeah. Well, and there's some really interesting already um, lore around the statues that are in Palpatine's office. So I don't know if you guys have ever kind of right. gone off the deep end and seen the statues of the four sages of Duarte that are that are in his yeah i've heard about yeah this. and so they're they're in the background if you go back into like legends material um you know they were basically some of the earliest lawmakers in the galaxy and uh, a lot of the sith bought into their ideals and actually snoke's yeah ring, i mean i mean honestly man who doesn't know about the four sages at Dwarf? i mean have you seen <laughs> this, is, this is why we're here this is why we're here um, no, f- really fun fact. They're like the big gold, like robed statues in, uh, in Palpatine's office and Snoke's ring in the last Jedi has glyphs, uh, from those same sages. So just kind of like wow. fun little oh, ties there. Pretty, it's pretty, yeah. Deep. If you really go into it, there's a lot of, there's a lot of stuff to love about prequels, is, sequels. Is all. it, is it in the Plagueis novel that his lightsabers were like stored inside of one of those? I think statues? That, yes, it is. Yeah, it's either yes, that it or yeah, or uh, Labyrinth of I think Evil. It was a statue, maybe yeah. one of those. La- yeah, yeah, it was something. I wonder if this is. Yeah, it's a statue. Like... It was. It, it wasn't the same one. Because I had that exact same thought, Corey. Yeah. And, I, and, I, and I, I, I feel like I, I, I went back and checked. And it's not the exact same thing. Like, it wasn't ripped straight from Legends, but mm-hmm. it was very much what canon is doing. Is like totally. taking a Legends idea and then slightly altering it. Because, yeah, he definitely did like put his lightsabers in a statue yeah. in Plagueis for like decades. Yeah, yeah. So that was, that was really fun. Um, and I'm all about that, that kind of lore, so I hope we get some more of that. Um, but, you know, we also learned about some other Sith Lords in this book, or one other at least. Darth Maul, he got some love. Um, I've got a couple quotes to throw at you guys from page 98. Cause what a page that was. I hope one day we get to that on light speed skipping. Um, <laughs> so we might, the first quote was the lightsaber was death. This too was something he'd been forced to grapple with. Every part of it was stolen and every part of it was his paid in blood and pain. Only some of which had been his own. So, Whoa, oh where is that story? He's apparently stolen every bit of his lightsaber, every individual yes. piece 
for sure by like murdering Jedi. Like that's like this was I, intense. I I love that for so many reasons. One, I love that for a lore reason, but two, I love that because EK Johnston in one sentence gave someone else a job. Yeah. Yes. Cuz like absolutely. that story didn't exist and now she's like actually wait, we need an entire book about that. Yeah, absolutely. What a cool thing to add to like Maul's lore. That's just a subtle little little tie-in. And honestly, you asked earlier, Charles, mm-hmm. like who is the favorite like character, and this was Maul was for Maul? me. Like yeah. the the tie-in, yeah, to Phantom Menace, because all the stuff that Maul had to do in this book it was very small, but it was epic, and I really enjoyed it. And uh, yes, give me a canon Maul book. Yeah. Isn't Jared always uh, saying on on Legends Look Back that like, uh, what's the what's the Maul Legends book that's so freaking good? Lockdown. Is it Lockdown or Shadow like, Hunter? It's one of the two. Ah, uh, yeah, one of the two. There's two Legends books that are. Wait, hold about, on. Uh... Legends, Legends, Legends. All right, now Jared should appear in the chat. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. No, I I agree. He had some of the best moments, and he was such a cool character. And he died so prematurely. And and there it is. you know, sp- <laughs> spoiler alert. He you know when he comes back in Clone Wars, the material is so good. So. Uh, yeah. Maybe we'll get some more down the line, but we've got another quote from page 98 that says, if asked, Maul would say he feared nothing. He was wrong. So what Ooh. does Maul fear more than anything in y'all's minds? Um, Rejection. Palpatine, Sidious, mm-hmm. yeah. of course. Yeah. Yeah. He definitely fears his master. We see that in, uh, in the Clone mm-hmm. Wars. Yeah. I, I think he, fe- he fears being abandoned. I think that... All of his clone work, all of his clone wars arcs, excuse me, are built upon the idea of abandonment and built on on the idea of a master of some sort or an ally leaving him alone. Because I think we see that in the Phantom Menace, like Palpatine never went after him to find if he was okay, and then he lost Savage, and mm-hmm. then he he he's constantly trying to find an apprentice, constantly trying to find a partner, someone like that to like keep going. So I think he. After he's being ripped away from Dathomir to start, like the whole time he's afraid Palpatine's going to cast him out because he's not good enough. So I think he's constantly afraid of being alone. Yeah, yeah, which is uh, and he's relatable yeah. for that reason. I mean, take yeah, aren't we all terrified of like going into the dark alone and realizing that no one was there and no one actually cared in the first place and that everything we've known about human connection is just a fallacy? Yeah, <laughs> don't we all <laughs> think about that every night? Yeah, that no. that and having to have God. spider legs <laughs> is a close second. Yes. <laughs> yeah, sorry. Also spider legs. Also spider legs. <laughs> so great point. I love that. Yeah, I agree. I think insignificance. That's kind of his biggest fear. Um, all right, th- this last point. That's also the biggest fear of this podcast. Yeah, of course. <laughs> it's fading into insignificance. And spider legs. Okay, page, <laughs> page 228, we got another moment that I, I had to talk about. So Darth Maul apparently specifically chose the area with the power generators to fight Qui-Gon yeah. and Obi-Wan in the Royal Palace during the Battle of Naboo. So... You know, his logic made a ton of sense in this scene where he's talking about, I'll use these catwalks. I'll basically minimize the directions they'll have to attack me from because there's two of them, one of me, etc. But now we learn that he even plans to like separate the Jedi using those force fields that were on a timer. And I got to say, I thought the idea itself was so cool that he was like thinking that far ahead. And like that shows you like, okay, Palpatine trained this guy. Because that's a total, yeah. total Sidious thing. But at the same time, I was like, uh, he definitely tests the force field with his lightsaber 
in the fight, in the Phantom Menace. He doesn't know that that thing is going to stop lightsabers. Like, there's no way in heck. I feel like there's <laughs> stuff in the movie that tells me this is not true, but it's fun. And I couldn't decide how I yeah. felt about it. That's a great point. I, I totally forgot about the moment where he tests the force field with his lightsaber. But yeah, no, he does. And I think that that moment there is kind of like the um, Ahsoka's lightsaber is going from green to blue in the Ahsoka novel, right? Yeah. And the, and the flashbacks where I think, obviously, when it was made, that wasn't the intention. But we have to decide then, and this, is, this can be different for everyone when you read a book. Is this moment cool enough for me that I will allow this slight discrepancy to exist? Or do I think that this is trying too hard and it's actually making some things not make sense? And I think there's a different question. For, there's a different answer for everyone. Um, personally, I, I really I, I enjoy the moment. It didn't take me out, but I can totally understand that you're right. There is evidence that uh, he clearly hadn't, you know, didn't know about the laser shield generators. I don't know. What do you think, Corey? Do you think that? That Maul, like when Maul was stalking out the 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 place and figuring out like this is where I'm gonna fight them. This is where this is where the fight's gonna happen. Do you think that makes sense? Given that no, he totally I okay. I, okay, I did. I didn't, really, I didn't really buy that very much either. Like, I don't know. I I felt like that, that is my that's my. If I have any minor criticism of of Johnson, is that she's not really great at writing really nitty gritty action scenes. Mm-hmm. Like. I think I actually complained about that a little bit with, with with Queen's Shadow previously. Is that like there was that one action scene at the very end of the book, mm-hmm. uh, and it felt kind of rushed. It was very short, and it just wasn't it wasn't that great. So like if if there's any if there's any area that I think that she could improve a little bit on, it would be maybe writing some nitty gritty action scenes. And you know everything else she's written is fantastic. So <laughs> right, what a small what a small criticism. <laughs> but yeah, seriously, I just didn't really feel like that was very realistic and. I don't know. I did like that he ran through the the little, you know, the laser wall door thingies, like yeah, like to, to, t- to time it. Like that was kind of clever. I thought that like, if that was how it was gonna fall, go out, it would at least yeah. be clever. But like, I didn't get the. Imp- it doesn't. After I watched the film, it didn't feel like it made sense that it could have been planned. exactly. I, I exactly. I do like the idea though that he was standing behind that door waiting for them, being like. This is going to be so damn rad when it happens. <laughs> yeah, I will exactly. look so awesome. And yes, he's just like exactly. waiting for them. That's fun. But yeah, I, I hear that. I think it's, again, pick what you like. Move on if you don't. Easy peasy. Yeah. Okay, well, let's talk about the other people, you know, that were involved in that fight. And, you know, my favorite character, uh, Obi-Wan and Qui-Gon. So, yes! page 47, guys. Obi-Wan thinks to himself... It was, after all, important to avoid absolutes. Yeah, Anakin. Uh, great, great <laughs> moment. I like the idea. What if this was the first time Obi-Wan ever thought about that? He's like, you know what? It's a real good idea to avoid absolutes. And then <laughs> Listen, later on, he's like, oh, I remember back when I was 20. <laughs> like, yes. Have <laughs> have they? I'm surprised they haven't yet. Have they retconned the fact that Yoda absolutely uses an absolute when he says? Have, have they retconned the fact no. that that is an absolute in and of itself? Only Sith do yes. an absolute. <laughs> Right. Yes. Technically, a- every every sentence ever said is an absolute. If there, if it's a declarative sentence, it's an absolute. It's stating a fact. Hashtag it's grammar so, lessons yeah. with Eric. Welcome, new Patreon exclusive podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Only Jedi High Council. Great grammar lessons. But yeah, 
Well, yeah, it's a bit, it's a bit odd. Yeah, so but that was fun. So page forty-eight, yeah. the very next page, Qui Gon tells Obi Wan basically that he thinks the council will support them looking into the Trade Federation. Obi Wan says, "At least that means we'll be less likely to get involved in in local labor disputes." And Qui Gon just claps back or kickstart unlikely romances with local nobility. Oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I forgot about that. That was such a great little throw in there. Yeah, so like we get that, that's honestly when I I want I want in that, that part of the movie for him to pan to a guy behind Qui Gon going like, oh. The, uh, the Pikachu face. It's what yeah. it is, the Pikachu face meme. <laughs> and, then, and then Obi-Wan's probably like, I have loved one woman literally ever. Could you not? Uh, yes. Could you exactly. back off? Just to be clear, we're talking about Obi-Wan and Satine from the yes. Clone Wars. Like, yeah. Yes. That's actually what that was a reference to. In Master and Apprentice, correct me if I'm wrong, Qui-Gon has totally had a little tryst of his own in the past. So I don't remember that. Yeah, Qui-Gon Qui-Gon had, yeah, he had a romance. Yeah, I, I real real Avaros talks real about Avaros. it. Yeah, yeah. So I definitely think that it's got to be, you know, was Qui-Gon being tongue in cheek? But yeah, Charles, no, that was a moment of just like, it's it's it, it's it's the rapper and the battle drop of the mic and everyone <laughs> screaming. It was great. <laughs> yes, it was solid. <laughs> it was really great. Um, yeah. So on page two sixteen, while on tattooing, guys, to go from a funny moment to one that really hit me in the feels. Uh, Qui-Gon and Jar Jar apparently volunteered to sleep on the floor in Shmi's hut when they were staying there in the Phantom Menace. And there's a bit about Padme who gets up in the middle of the night to go get some water, much like Cindy Lou Who, another uh, one of the <laughs> greatest books in the history of the world. Iconic. And um, we get the line, her eyes had adjusted to the dark enough that she could see the outline of Master Qui-Gon sleeping on his side in the doorway of the house as though he would protect them from anything that tried to come in. And you guys, I kid you not, I teared up when I read this part because I felt like it was foreshadowing the moment that that Qui-Gon would fall defending his companions. And oh. like it just hit me so, so hard. Yeah. What do you guys think about That's that? That's heavy. That's heavy, man. I don't even consider that. I did think it was a cool little touch to make Qui-Gon a more relatable character, which in a lot of ways he was not in The Phantom Menace. Like, I have a new appreciation for Qui-Gon because of Master and Apprentice now, but then, yeah, this was a great detail. I didn't even thought about it that way. That was beautiful. Yeah, that's a beautiful visual representation and, and a callback because the way he literally dies on his side as though he's sleeping, you know? Um, but I, I do think that Qui-Gon gets a lot, like you said, Corey, from Master and Apprentice mostly, but also in this book because you realize this is a guy who was offered a seat on the council, and turned it the highest, like the highest council, most respected position in the galaxy, and he's sleeping on the floor of a hut. Yeah, because he he wants to be respectful and pray. like it's it's a wonderful moment, and that's the one thing I like about E.K. Johnston. She does a lot with a little. It's just a little sentence, but it tells us so much about who Qui Gon is. Yeah, totally. Yeah, beautiful moment. Um, you know, other Jedi Masters got some great moments, too. There was a f- weird, weird conversation between Yoda and Mace Windu in this book. Do you all recall this? Mm-hmm. Uh, so, uh, back, funny enough, back when I, when I interviewed E.K. Johnston earlier, God, last month now, uh, she said that this was one of her favorite 
uh, scenes to write. Because she's like, I never get to write Mace Windu. It was it was so <laughs> weird. It, it struck me. I don't know. It, it's such an odd moment. I, I really question, are Yoda and Mace friends or not? Because Yoda was really <laughs> having a good time messing with him. Um, Listen, yeah. until until we get a new canon book that's all about Mace Windu, you're really going to have to try hard to convince me that he's not just a total douchebag. Well, <laughs> Mace Windu, I swear, is just the biggest jerk in all of Maybe Star he Wars. gets pushed like, to and, it by Yoda after what we learned in this yeah. book. So. <laughs> Maybe so. On page... Yeah. I can imagine they're like, they're like in the temple and he's like, Mace? Mace? Are you sleeping? <laughs> and he's just like, like yes. I am not. Like, I bet that's just totally their dynamic. So on page 104, Mace goes to find Yoda meditating and basically asks him, like, hey, man, do you sense something or not? Because I feel like we're missing something. And Yoda says, I sense nothing. And then Mace is like, well, you have to sense nothing. And then Yoda's like, open your mind, Master Windu. If sense nothing is, something must it be. Classic Yoda, oh, yeah. like that—that that almost is like yeah, an yes. Empire line right there. But he's just totally messing. Yes, with it him. was. I loved it. I yeah, loved it. it's like the Jedi version of who's on first. Yeah, it's like what do you, <laughs> what do you say? It's nothing. Nothing. Is it something? Something is nothing. But what's nothing? Something. Third base. Yeah. Like that's all I could think about. <laughs> well, and then Yoda basically ignores Mace until he leaves, and like that's the end. <laughs> but, so really, it was an odd. Scene. It was. I agree. It didn't really tie in with everything, but I'm glad we got it. So yes. Um, so we also got Valorum. We got a great moment with with Valorum, which I wasn't expecting. Where he thinks to himself, "It was great to have sensible allies like Palpatine." So you know what? Another great moment of how well you can write Palpatine, even when he's not. You know the the person that the scene is about, just because of what we know as an audience. Yeah, I mean, hey, you know what? You can always trust an old white guy to put his faith in another old white guy. Hate <laughs> <laughs> that. The truth. You can't argue with that. I have nothing oh to add gosh. to that. That's perfect. <laughs> so, okay, let's talk about Shmi and Anakin because I'll talk about Shmi any chance I get. Uh, not so much Anakin. Just sorry, Adam. It's all about Shmi. Um, yeah. You, you already mentioned some of the lines that really stuck out, Eric, with like the uh, looking up and seeing an angel. That was that was fantastic. But on page two seventeen, we actually learned that uh, Shmi is a talented mechanic because when Padme got up to get that glass of water we talked about earlier, she found Shmi actually piecing together the screen that she uses to watch the Boonta Eve classic. Uh, we've never oh, yeah. had any inkling that she had That's these skills point. before. But apparently this is yeah. some of where Anakin gets that from. Yeah, I totally forgot about that scene. I found that to be really, really cool, actually, that she was, like, building that thing. Yeah, because he had to learn sweet. it from somewhere. Yeah. Like, yeah. Watto's, Watto's not going to teach him things. He's just going to be like, okay, you're good at it. Great. Exactly. Go die. I don't know. But like, <laughs> Shmi, I, like the, I like the fact that, like, Shmi would be up teaching Anakin, you know, with his toys and then with machines and then, like, getting – I bet she got a few parts for 3PO, honestly. You know, she probably, like – you know, surprised him on certain days. Like, hey, I found this. Like, I bet there are some really sweet moments there. <laughs> there probably are. There are some other sweet moments, too, like page 262, where Anakin and Sabe actually have a quick interaction. And Anakin thanks her for keeping Padme safe. And she smiles and thinks, what a sweet boy that's totally not going to murder her in the future. <laughs> <laughs> um, not at all. Never. So... You know, another uh, another thing about this book really is that it wasn't just 
characters that this book enhanced, but it was also a lot of moments from The Phantom Menace. And one thing that this book did really well was make me understand kind of the the ferocity of the invasion of the Battle of Naboo, because it's really just been alluded to previously. But this book, you go into the camps, you see that brutality firsthand. Um, it doesn't seem like it's something so much out of a kid's movie, which, you know, really is what it is. Um, outside of C.O. Bibble's comment that the death toll was catastrophic, which now we know was, was a lie and a code word, um, you know, <laughs> we had no inkling. What, what did you guys think about getting to see more of that? I mean, like I said earlier, I mean, it totally enhances the film. Yeah. Like it, it, it makes it, makes the universe feel larger. You know, that's the thing about The Phantom Menace that's always really bothered me is that the the movie makes it feel small, right? Like, yeah. Like, they're talking about trade disputes, which doesn't make any sense. They're talking about this horrible war that's happening on Abu, and we're all just like, where? Where, where is this horrible <laughs> war? Like, there's she, Padme's like, my people are dying. We're like, are they? <laughs> I, I haven't seen them. Like, where are they at? You know, so like this added those kind of details that are, are you know, are missing from the Phantom Menace of like stuff that's happening behind the scenes, which I love it. It it, it expands the universe. The whole point of this. Yeah. Yeah. I, I really, I agree. I think that it really did a great job enhancing the brutality of the war. And the one thing I want to add is that it made droids scary. Battle droids have never really been scary. They've been silly, which I like in the Clone Wars. They've been pretty disposable. They're basically there for Jedi to look cool destroying. And what they did with Sasha and the way that they, like, herded people up and really, you know, oppressed them and made them feel like, you know, I don't know, like actual prisoners of war Mm -hmm. are, are really... Are really scary, and I think they did a great job there. Joxy in the chat though just made a great point. Mr. Bones is scary. Uh, our uh, shout out to Aftermath, Mr. Bones, one of the best characters in canon. Period yeah. Um, yeah. is definitely scary, but but this made the moment of like, you know, their metal hands like touching human flesh. Like they're not caring for people. They're not. They don't care about your feelings or about anything like that. They're meant to instill fear and do a job. And I think that she wrote that very well. Definitely. There were there were two moments right towards the end of the book that had to do with sort of the aftermath of the Battle of Naboo that uh, really stuck out to me. So um, page 271, we see that the Queen's Crest was actually carved into each individual headstone of each Gungan who died in battle. Oh, yeah, right. And that's that's a beautiful moment. Yeah. I, I, and I love that because it's very much reminiscent of like – World War One, World War Two, like all these these mass graves, yeah. um, and the fact that she did it for the Gungans too, because like like you're saying, Corey, there's a lot of stuff about Episode One that we that some people can take or leave, and as you get older, some of the kid magic may disappear. Like especially with the Gungans, have had their share of controversy, but the fact that she treated them like war veterans here, I thought was a really great idea, because that's totally what they were. And and knowing that Padme respected them that way and then checked on the graves once a year, really, next time I watched it, I'm like, oh, that's these men that are dying are war veterans. And I love that that weight was given. Yeah. And, and kind of on the flip side of that coin, we also learned that the droid bodies were made into fence posts and garden trellises and art. <laughs> and that's like the most awesome. Nebu thing of all time. <laughs> yes. Yes, it is. This is my installation. It's the body of my enemy. <laughs> <laughs> like, epic. 
Oh man, freaking awesome! All right, guys. So let's kind of round this out. I want to talk about the uh, the kind of almost epilogue that was at the end of this book. Um, we, yeah, we've sure. come to know and love the epilogues in the recent canon installments. Um, that a lot of times are just scenes out of left field, uh, little extra tidbits that have nothing really to do with the rest of the book. And in a way, that's that's kind of what this scene was because it was it was Leia kind of out of nowhere. Um, yeah. It was Leia in the throne room scene at the end of A New Hope. Why do you think Johnston chose to include this scene and more than that, cap off the entire book with it? I mean, she wants to write a Leia book, obviously. <laughs> Here's my pitch. She's no, pitching, but, baby. Yeah, but seriously, seriously though, I would love to see a uh, a Princess Leia kind of peak peak rebellion. Yeah, like, maybe written by Johnson. That might be incredible. Um, but uh, I think it was in there just to sort of show the parallel between the characters in a lot of way. Like we have strong female leadership, mm-hmm. and that's what this book was all about. And I loved it. Yeah, and and I think the the parallel, like you're saying, between Padme and Leia have always been there, right? I mean, the mother-daughter parallel is great. The fact that they never met really is such a tragedy. And any way that I think that some writers can, can take Leia and find shades of Padme is really beautiful because, you know, we as we said on the last episode and recent episodes, Padme's story is cut tragically short. So any way that we can honor her in future material is great. All E.K. Johnson did here was flip that. She honored future story in Padme's life. And I, and I really loved that, you know, beyond showing, you know, her plans at the end of Queen's Shadow. That's how she lives on. And then they show Leia at the end of Queen's Peril. That's how she lives on. Uh, yep. We got Tim, our, our, our Timothy, our buddy T13 in the chat uh, saying what I'm thinking. Queen's Legacy. That's the third book I want. Um, I think should be all about that. Um uh, because clearly these books show just how much Padme affected those around here in such a small amount of time. And I think that that idea is not going any away anytime soon. That's going to be in, in canon for a long, long while. Yeah. Just, to, just to be clear, they have not named that this is going to be a trilogy, right? No, no. But e. it's Johnson going is, to be a trilogy, well, though, right? <laughs> uh, E.K. Johnson has been vocal about that on Twitter, um, surprisingly vocal about it. Because, again, when I, when I interviewed her, I was like, you know, how did the second book come along? And she was very blunt. She said, people bought the first one. And she's yeah. like, enough people bought it that... Well, this this one was on the New York Times bestseller list. Yes, so it was. Number five, no, why There's no question that it's not going to be... Yeah. The, the money's not there. So yeah. is it going to be a trilogy? That's my question. You think it is? I, I Oh, I think so. I think that they're, you know, they didn't pitch it that way, and she didn't pitch it that way. But I think that the sales are there. The, the want is there. So I, I don't see why it's not. She seems to be able to crank these out pretty damn fast. So I, I would... I would be surprised. I will say it now. On the Living Force podcast, July 6th, 2020, uh, if we do not have a third Padme book by E.K. Johnston by next August, I will be shocked. Yeah, that's my That's my too. pitch. Aaron makes a good point in the comments, too. He's saying the artwork makes it look like it could definitely be a trilogy. I totally agree. Yeah, definitely. That would that's be, a great point. Really sweet. Queen's Legacy is a great name, too, by the yep, way. Yep, that's my favorite <laughs> one. Like, Queen's Legacy is great. Yeah, seriously. What, what's the, what do you think it's going to be? Is it going to be like her as a senator? No. Like peak senator? Padme, Padme in elementary maybe? school running for class president. Thank <laughs> <laughs> <has to be. laughs> you, going back. No, I, I think it could be um, Padme on a trip back to Naboo. School trip? And something's... School field yeah, trip? Yeah, school trip. Um, I think something's going on with uh, with Sabe or something's wrong with like Robbie. Like one of the handmaidens is in trouble, Ooh. and Padme has to come home. 
Maybe maybe them. Queen's Legacy is Sabe, and it's a Sabe book. I'll take I mean, that. So, all right. I What I want the most in any medium is Sabe and Bail Organa ma- do, making Fulcrum. I mean, that is we, – we know that Sabe yes. – that Bail Organa is head of Fulcrum. Ooh, the Queen's they ghost. The, queen ship. the Queen's ghost. Ooh, she was her shadow. Nice. Mm. Oh my God! <laughs> We're available, <laughs> Lucasfilm and Del Rey. I mean, <laughs> yep. Oh, although Cheryl makes a good point, and so he, now, yeah, now the comments are lighting up. I love this. Uh, Timothy says he wants Sabe and Leia to meet. I think that would be perfect. Mm-hmm. Um, Cheryl says he wants the Padme Anakin romance. Cheryl just is, wants steamy fan fiction. <laughs> we know what you want, Cheryl. Which yes, and <laughs> but I think that'd be cool. Like bring Anakin into these books. Like bring the Anakin Padme Sabe road trip book. I mean, like. Yes. But I, but I definitely think there is something to making it a little bit of a now, – now we're totally just pitching future stories, but I love that. That's what this book makes you want to do. I want it to be a little bit like Throne Alliances in the following way. Um, <laughs> careful. <laughs> careful. Yeah, other, other than how it's written. Um, I want it to be like a, a dual story, like one chapter in Padme's era, then flash forward a chapter with Sabe in, after Padme's death. Then back a chapter in the Padme era, so like the two the two stories are being called con- told concurrently rather, so that by the end it's kind of like instead of just one little epilogue with the present day, it's constant throughout, and then the two stories kind of line up. I would love yeah. that. Me too. Mm. Sounds good. Love it. But manage your expectations. Everyone, manage your expectations. Assume we will never get another Star Wars book ever again, and you will never be disappointed. <laughs> <laughs> You're not wrong. <laughs> yeah, man. All right, y'all. So. I think it might be time for Easter eggs. Are we ready? Yes. Oh, yes. Do it. Easter eggs. Do it. Tissue. Interesting facts. All right. To start, I want to point out that the name Sabin, spelled T-S-A-B-I-N, Sabe's original name, is actually a Legends connection. Jared probably knows about this. In the Imperial Commando series, there's a character named Sabin Drill, who's a jeweler that sold betrothal tokens to Mandalorians. The more you know. What? Did yeah. That. Awesome. Uh, page 18, we get the first mem- uh, mention of none other than C.O. Bibble, my boy C.O. Bibble. And we've yep. slowly learned more and more about his character in recent years, specifically through these books. This time we learn he apparently has a background in argumentative philosophy. I am still <laughs> so, so confused by that comment in Queen's Shadow about him being jokey. <laughs> Look that up. That is in there. It says he's uncharacteristically yeah. serious. He sounds like he would be an, the absolute worst at a party. Like, argumentative philosophy. <laughs> this man's not jokey. <laughs> no, this guy gets two drinks in him, and he's going up to whoever will listen because everyone else has already gotten away from him. And he's like, well, the thing I learned when I was out of the academy, and you are done. Your night is over. <laughs> yes. More like Sio Babble, am I right? <laughs> oh, Jeez, my this gosh. guy. Get out. <laughs> All right. Page 46. We get the quote, Jocasta was friendly to Qui-Gon and didn't seem to mind his odd requests, even though she bucked when anyone else asked for her assistance. So it is Ta- officially confirmed that Jocasta is kind of mean all the time, not just in episode two, and also <laughs> confirmed she totally had a crush on Qui-Gon. But let's be real. It sounds like she's just not a very good librarian. She's so mean. She's so mean. Oh, I think that speaking of adult romance Star Wars novels, Put Qui-Gon and Jocasta New in the oh, stacks. please don't. Hundo oh, P. No, that happened. I don't want that. No one wants that, Eric. <laughs> Cheryl wants out. it. <laughs> I want it. That's two. Cheryl, let's do it. We'll make it happen. It's great. Oh, man. Okay. 
uh, page 70 <laughs> about changing their names. Uh, Sabe says, you had to give up, Padme. Uh, what if we all chose names that sounded similar to that? I'm sorry. I didn't know what I was just reading. She's talking about giving up her name. You had to give up yeah. Padme, as in your name. What if we all chose names that sounded similar to that? That would be perfect, Robin said. I guarantee you most people will hear that many A's in a row and literally never be able to remember how many of us there are, let alone who is who. I'm sorry. Are you talking directly to me, E.K. Johnson? <laughs> Yes, the answer is yes. She heard our show on Queen Shadow and was like, oh, Charles, is it hard to remember them? Is it? Yeah, Bam, I mean, brutal. Corey, you brought up that moment last week. I had to bring it back up again. No, I, I still don't know any of them except for Sabe. I know. I know. We have talked about, we've talked about these books for four episodes of the podcast, and I still can't tell you squat about any of them. Yeah. Oh, man. Page 89, we get Sasha, uh, or about Sasha. It says, she slouched back into the room wearing a mask over her mouth and nose. Aren't we all? Coronavirus. So relatable. <laughs> what is E.K. Yes. Johnson is Nostradamus. All right, page 94. Uh, Carlinus, the, the planet, is mentioned several times. Remember that that's the planet that Padme and Sabe relocate the rescued slaves from Tatooine to in Queen Shadow. So that oh, was yeah. a nice point. Hey, yeah. Oh, Nice. Um, yep. Also, same page, the planet Jaffin is mentioned, and that's another small planet in the same sector. But it's also, funny enough, the name of an old king of Naboo, as revealed in Star Wars Complete Location. So, yes, there were actually kings as well as queens in the old days of Naboo. So that's awesome. fun. Um, and another fun fact about that, Palpatine actually rode in a ship called the Jaffin 3 in the novel Darth Plagueis by James Luceno. So that's a reference nice. on like five different levels. Get out. Yeah. No, get there in. Are levels to this. <laughs> get on our level. Um, page 101, Anakin, after crashing his pod racer, says, uh, they're just going to put me out while the back to knits my, <laughs> knits my femurs. <laughs> i can't even say that without laughing shmi it literally says shmi lifted the covers and saw that both of his legs were twisted so let's let's work through this for a minute (laughs) because because first of all there's no way anakin is just straight chilling with two broken femurs okay a broken femur professional medical opinion yes this isn't gonna be in our medical episode because i'm angry a broken femur is supposed to be, honestly, Eunice, the like one of the most painful things that you can possibly have happen to you. He has two, okay, and he's like nine years old. So unless he's using like that force ability we learned about to suppress pain <laughs> without realizing it, I call BS. All right. Have you? This is like a. Uh, you guys watch Rick and Morty? Have you seen like where like anytime yeah. Morty gets hurt, he's just like so catastrophically injured. Like his legs are literally like twisted and bent inside out, and Rick is just like having a conversation with him. That's like what I imagine. Is Anakin's legs are just like like this? It's like it's yeah. like a Family Guy. Anytime someone like falls down a flight of stairs and their body is just yes. horribly mangled. Yeah. Yes, uh, Charles, I do have a counter argument. Oh for this. God, here we go. Uh, he's the chosen one. Oh my god! Okay, he's the chosen. That's it. He's the chosen. That's it. Right. That's the end of the argument. I can't argue with that. <laughs> um, but you know, second of all, I do feel like this does highlight how legitimately dangerous pod racing is. Like, let's not forget that people and, died oh, at the Boosie yeah. Classic, and also how flipping effective Bacta yeah. is. You can just like take a bath in it, and you can like put your femurs back together. Like, come on. <laughs> yeah. So honestly, the fact that they that 
they weren't able to regrow new legs for Anakin uh, in Bacta is kind of suspect now. It is. Oh, <laughs> we can knit femurs together, but a br- but a new limb like a salamander? I, uh, nope, yes. can't. You know do what that. else I love about it is the exact quote is they're just gonna put me out while they while the Bacta knits my femurs. He chirruped. No, you're not chirruping. <laughs> you're not chirruping with broken femurs. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe he's just losing his mind. His sanity is being stripped away from his brain, so he's just making weird noises because of pain. <laughs> <laughs> Unconscious. Uh, it'll be fine, Mom. I'm just going to put my fevers together. Uh. <laughs> All right, right, moving on from the broken fevers. It's like that, guys. That's in the audiobook. Um, I don't know if you heard it. Oh, man. Keep an eye out for that medical episode coming up. Um Page 105, we get the quote, Yoda didn't respond. Instead, he closed his eyes and reached for the calm of the living force through him. Y'all, we made it. Mm. We got a shout out in Queen's Peril. (laughs) Take it from Yoda, folks. Reach for the calm of the living force. Podcast. All right. Nailed it. Uh, Page 117, we get Irtama. Before she was Irte, she built a mechanical Sando aqua monster for the opera. And, of course, that is the last water predator that we see in The Phantom Menace when Qui-Gon, Obi-Wan, and Jar Jar are going to feed. It's the monster that prompts Qui-Gon to say there's always a bigger fish. That's ripped. Like, that jacked fish. Yeah, yeah. They're like CrossFit going fish. Yeah, that's just the like behind the scenes. Walking around like a person. The behind the scenes for the actually the like creature creator that made that design said it was supposed to be like an under, underwater panther, um, and it is. Oh yeah. dang! So you know what? Nailed it. Yeah, hundred yeah. um, percent. All right. At the beginning of the Phantom Menace, Gunray says to Qui Gon and Obi Wan, "As you know, our blockade is legal." Someone help me sort through that because Gunray was blowing some smoke. This popped up. For me, because I rewatched The Phantom Menace, and I heard him say that, and I just started double-taking, because this book tells us that no one thought this was legal from the beginning. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. I think that just, it speaks more to, like, Gunray's cockiness and being like, guys, hold on. I got this. Hey, Jedi, it's legal. Huh? He was trying to do a Jedi huh? mind trick on the Jedi. That's that's, that, that's there right. it is. <laughs> uh, page 202, Sabe apparently didn't ask Padme to go clean R2 so she could... Uh, you know, just mess with her. She was telling her so she could be in a busier part of the ship and eavesdrop on people's conversations. I call BS. Awesome. It was, it was definitely oh. pulling rank while she could. <laughs> I mean, sorry, I'm the queen today, so you got to go do that. I mean, I don't know. It's just what you have to do. It's part of the job. Exactly. You know? Sorry. Page 225, Sabe and Padme are talking again, and she says to Padme, you overthrew the chancellor. And I never realized that Padme did something that Mace Windu could not until I read that line. Think about yes, that. Yes, an- another thing to show the pure ineptitude of yes, Mace Windu. Yes, really, uh, it's all about getting <laughs> to dig in at Mace. That's right. Easily. All right, and to round things out, page 250, we get the pilot, the, the infamous pilot, Rick O'Lee, the greatest pilot ever. Rick. Okay, the greatest middle-aged <laughs> white guy pilot ever. Yep. Okay. That uh, made it on zero of our Starfighter yeah, Squadrons. Let us not guy. forget. Uh, <laughs> yeah, him. So he got a shout out. That was fun. And and on that note, with the illustrious Rick Oli, it's time to close out this roundtable, guys. Let's re-rate this book one to ten, like we always do. If your score has changed, tell me why. If you refuse to budge, tell me why. And give me any final thoughts that you have. So Eric, I think I went to you first when we started. So I'll, I'll come back to you again. 
All right. I think I, I rated this a nine last week, and I think I'm going to stay there. I'm going to take it, stay at a solid nine. I, I really enjoyed this book. I really think the character moments are strong. I think that uh, Johnston's evolution to write things like the Battle of Naboo really enhance this book and bring it a step above Queen's Shadow in that regard. I'm really loving the Handmaid's individual characters more than I ever thought I would. I can't wait for a hopeful third book. And finally, this book, more than maybe any I've read in the past couple of years, makes me want to go back and watch a Star Wars movie. And I think that at its core, that is one of the most important purposes of the expanded universe. So, yeah. high remarks. <clears throat> Solid nine. I'm going to stay there. Okay. Corey, what do you got? I think I originally gave the book a seven, seven and a half. I think I'm going to bump mine up a little bit to like more like eight, I think. Like um, I didn't – I wasn't totally blown away by the book, but I'm totally with you, Eric. Like I think that like it adds so much new dynamic to The Phantom Menace. Uh, I think Johnson is an excellent, excellent writer. Um, the way she portrays feminine characters and normalizes stuff that has never been normalized before in Star Wars has been awesome. Like, I absolutely welcome that kind of thinking and inclusivity into this community. And, yeah, I, I, I really enjoyed it. I think it adds a lot a lot to Padme as a character and the Phantom Menace. So I'm with you. Let's expand that universe all the way every time. Yeah. Okay, Wes, what do you think? Having finished the book from last week <laughs> i um i want to go and give this an eight i'm a i'm a sucker for the backstory oh, wow on, um, yeah man i'm a i'm a big sucker for backstories on the movies and uh anything that i can do to say oh yeah that's that's the part where um where sabe screwed up and didn't get uh boss nas to buy into her plan <laughs> and but totally totally but padme kind of uh ironed it over but uh stuff like that is really it really pulls me into to want to watch those movies more just as you said Corey, it enhances the movies definitely yeah Absolutely. and dude guys now I, I also just realized we have not mentioned we get to not watch phantom menace and be like oh that's what she's covered in glitter <laughs> 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 i see you oh man that's that, all is she is that actually in the film is she covering in the film oh that would no be i don't think so <laughs> I, I i think that's a, it's it's a it's a different Special it's a different day it's coming how great would that be? Yeah. Um, you know, I agree with the points that you guys made. I'm going to do something weird that I think I may have never done. I think I gave it, I think I gave this book an eight, if I'm not mistaken, the first time through. Uh, I'm going to give it a 7.5. So I'm technically moving down. Whoa. But, but Ooh, I do want to make the point. It's not because I don't enjoy this book. I think this book is awesome. Uh, I may even like it more the second time through the way that I did with Queen's Shadow. Um, but I just started thinking more about those those best books in canon, like other books I've given eights, nines, yeah, and I realized this fair. is really far away from my favorites for me. Not to say it's not a good book, but I think I I just I got to give some breathing room between this and like Alphabet Squadron or or yeah. something yeah. like that. You know, I'm gonna have to totally. start giving out like nine point one sevens and like I know we're gonna have to look at our yeah. we're gonna have to like pull up the Utini uh, like reading order. Yeah, we got, I think we got it and like keep that in mind. Yeah. But yeah, I think so. You know, again, there were enough little things I think too where I feel okay about this with this book that bugged me like just a little bit, like like the Darth Maul choosing the the force fields on a timer even though he checks them with his lightsaber in the movie. You know, little moments mm -hmm. like that that pushed it a little bit too far for me, which is why I think I feel you know okay about technically moving down. But again, I still love this book. I feel like it did a lot for the Phantom Menace. Um, I I think that was like really mostly its purpose. 
I mean, it, it, the, oh, yeah. Yeah, the second absolutely. half of the book honestly was disjointed for a book. You could only follow it if yeah. you knew the movie by heart. Um, right. And, right. and so, you know, that's what it was supposed to do, and, and that's what it did. It's a great book. I love what E.K. Johnson's doing. I hope she gets a third, but I'm, I'm going 7.5. You know, just to, to kind of tie into that too, uh, Charles, like I feel like, I feel like if, if we were – I feel like this book – should make it pretty high up in the like Utini reorder too. Like I don't know if we've yeah. actually placed this yet. I think we have, haven't we, Eric? I think we placed this book in the Utini reorder. I think we did. I think we placed it. It was, it was right with Queen Shadow wherever we yeah. put that. We so. placed it with Queen Queen Shadow, but I actually think that you could maybe even move this book up higher. Like like not long after you read the Utini Fine Dungeon Five, like the first five books we recommend you read if you've never read a Star Wars book before. I think you could move this book up closer to those because it ties into the film so well. Like it just yeah. adds so much stuff to the film. So even though it's not like one of our blown you away books, like I think it's incredibly important because it does so much for Padme as a character and the Phantom Menace. I think that's a great point uh, because we do assume, you know, that if you're reading a Star Wars book, you've probably seen all the films. Like yeah. that's not always the case. Obviously, we've we've shared those stories of getting people into into the books I've never seen the movies. But man, if you are at all a, f- a fan, Tom Menace, uh, then I think you will. Uh, <laughs> you can't go wrong here. Yeah, cool. Yeah, absolutely. All right, guys, that's it for this roundtable. We got another one in two weeks, so get to reading Wes. <laughs> Uh, yeah, <laughs> I started uh, Shadowfall last night. <laughs> All right, uh, yeah. So on on that, a couple of things about that. Two weeks from tonight, we do have Shadowfall coming part one. Um, a ton of people have been talking about that in the Discord, uh, so I'm very excited. It's going to be a very different conversation, uh, just because it's a very different kind of book. And if you want to get that book or you want to get Queen's Peril, remember you can go to Utini.com, look up either one of them. We got book affiliate links there. Pick them up, help us out a little bit in the process, and be ready for the roundtable in two weeks. And again, a reminder to prep you for that roundtable next week. Alex Damon, Mr. Star Wars Explained himself, will be here Monday night to talk with us about Starfighters and all things Alexander Freed. And on that, my friends, that is going to do it for this week's episode of The Living Force. If you are already supporting us on Patreon, head over to Discord right now and join the Aftermath After Show video channel to hang out for the after party. Our $5 patrons get to listen. $10 patrons get to join in on the fun. A special thank you, as always, to Cheryl Bell, Drew Iberando, Alec Householder, and Patrick Ortiz on our Jedi High Council for your amazing support of this show and all things Utini. You can find us on Twitter. I'm at Eric Eilerson. Corey is at DocStarWarsMD. Charles is at C. Henkel. A special thank you to Matt Davenport, our amazing editor, and Wes, our producer and community manager and host. Thank you to Corey, Charles, and Wes for podcasting with me. Thank you to all of you for watching. And as always, may the force be with you. There is no hatred. There is joy. There is no division. There is union. There is no apathy. There is passion. There is no gatekeeping. There is community. This is the Utini Star Wars Fan Code. Embrace it, live by it, and above all, trust in the living force. That's all for this week. Join our community and surround yourself with like-minded fans by visiting us online at utini.com. Until next time, may the force be with you.